Luke 12, and uh, our text will be Luke 12, 22 this morning. We are uh, moving along in our series that I've called Heading Home. And if you've been tracking along with us, we've kind of been uh, navigating a few different things, and hopefully you've picked up on the theme of, uh, of use, the use of the word P and some alliteration or, alliteration or uh, just some connections, that we've looked at our lives and the sort of things that draw us away from God and in search of trying to fill uh, this sort of hole that is in our hearts. And so what we end up doing is we feel like something is missing, and because we feel like something's missing, then we start sort of wandering away from home. Instead of seeking what it is we have in God, we think we will find for ourselves what will complete us. And so uh, we've looked at quite a few different uh, themes and connections along the way. Uh, the first or last week we looked at perfection. This sort of there is something wrong with me, and I have to perform. Uh, morally good things so that I can be accepted by God and accepted by others. And so what we looked at last week was to say is that in light of the perfection that we seek to sort of fulfill ourselves, we realize that ultimately what we need is the grace of God. That we can try and do all of the moral things that we possibly can, but there are still, uh, there is still this hole that can only be filled by the grace of Jesus that forgives us of our sins and unites us with God. Uh, we, looked, uh, we looked also at, I'm forgetting all of the things now, I had it memorized and now I'm like, uh, Jordan, what were all the P's? And maybe you could help me along, that would be appreciative. We have perfection and then we have power. Thank you, honey. Wendy takes notes, so that's helpful. We've wandered away from home seeking power, and, and what it is is that it's that thing that we struggle with in life of that we lose control. What we ultimately want is control, and the answer to power is, is that we desire and we, we need to trust in God, that the answer to this is that we trust in God and we offer our lives to him, and that we place control in his hands, and so that is an act of humility. So we need grace, we need humility, and then what's my last one, honey? Pleasure. We seek pleasure in a world of pleasure, and we try and find, we have this emptiness in our hearts and our lives where we're wondering what will fulfill us, what will bring us happiness, what will bring us joy, and ultimately what fills that void in our life is going home to God, repenting and turning to him and finding true meaning in life uh, in Christ alone, that he is the one who offers true and lasting joy. And so the roadmap the rest of the way, we're going to talk about production, productivity today, and then possessions, and then self-preservation, and we're going to land the plane with self-preservation uh, on this Heading Home uh, series. At least that's the plan. That's how I have it mapped out. For you guys this morning, I just have a simple question to kind of get you engaged and just uh, maybe get involved and just, just ask you this question. And, and maybe none of you, maybe this doesn't apply to anyone, but uh, have you ever worried? Right? Now, we all know that Jesus tells us not to worry, so all of you have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Right? We all have this habit of worry. What is at the heart of worry? And as I think about just what I worry about, much of what I worry about is about having enough. Who remembers worrying about having enough toilet paper? 
Man, those were the days, weren't they? Now we worry about if we have enough money for gasoline, right? Our worrying has shifted, and I'm a little more concerned about uh, the gasoline situation as I am the toilet paper situation. Uh, but we have uh, those trivial things that we worry about, but we worry about our children, we worry about our family, we worry about our work, we worry about do we have enough? And I'd like to differentiate between perfection and productivity. Perfection is, am I good enough? Productivity is, is will I have enough? Do I have all that I need in my life to get me through? And so we, we really struggle with worry. In a world where we have all sorts of things and we're surrounded by so much, we can still be surrounded by possessions and still wonder, do I have enough? And so I think Jesus offers us an encouragement today that, uh, that I think that we need, and we'll just walk through it in Luke 12, and Jesus points us in the direction. He doesn't just give us the instruction, do not worry. You know, it's like, worry, uh, you know, stop it. You know, it's, it's the Bob Newhart counseling uh, services that just says, what's wrong with you? Well, I, wor- I have all of this going on, and I keep thinking about this, and Bob Newhart just says, well, stop it right? So just stop worrying. Uh, from Jesus seems like counsel. It's like, okay, we're ready to go. You know, hit the music, Wendy. We're out of here, right? Let's go get to the cafe early. Uh, but Jesus, he gives us instructions as to how we might redirect this sort of toil and productivity. And I hope to make a couple of connections there for you as we walk through today's text. It's Luke chapter 12. We're in verse 22. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, or what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. I'd like to pause right there for a second. Uh, Looking at my demographics, this thought I had may not land with everyone, but uh, if you are on social media, if you're on Facebook, if you're on Snapchat, if you're on Instagram, if you're on um, MySpace, I don't know what's still out there, but uh, if you're on any of those, I just want to make this observation. Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, your body, or what you will wear. Life is more than food, body, and clothes. It seems like those social media sites are awfully concerned with food. For some reason, people take pictures of their food. I've never understood this. Maybe you're one of those people, and we are here to condemn you today. Uh, you know, I'm trying, I have taken a picture of my food. You know, if it's like a monstrosity, it's like, look at how big this is. Like Jason, he's posted that, that picture of, the, of the, um, the tenderloin that's bigger than your head. You know, you need to take a picture of that. But no one wants to see how healthy you are. We don't want, we don't need that. We don't. Tenderloins, take pictures of those. But life is more than food, more than body, more than clothes. But we spend our time on these things that uh, Instagram is a picture of your food. It's a picture of your latest styles. It's a picture of your body. It's a picture of you working out. It's a picture of you doing all these things. Like, we make life about those things. And I wonder if we don't worry about life because we continually see ourselves and compare ourselves to all of these things that we try to make life about. Does that make sense? Like maybe it's perpetuating the problem. Perpetuating the problem. That's like a morning mouth exercise. Anyways, I've got issues. 
For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And much, and how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? So Jesus gives us this instruction, don't worry. And then... He points us to this truth. One, he, he points us heavenward. He says life is more than, than food and shelter and clothing and all of these things that we just spend our entire days thinking about and toiling over and working over. He says life is more than that. And he starts pointing our, our mind heavenward to God. And the way he does that is he starts pointing out creation. The creation is created by God, our Father. And he says, okay, now look. Look at the ravens. Look at the birds, as he says in Matthew 6. Look at the birds. And he says, they don't sow and they don't reap. They don't have a barn to store things in. Yet God feeds them. God cares for them. God meets their daily needs. And so God simply is saying to us, let's look to creation and how God cares for creation. How many of your worries sort of wash away just by sitting on the dock and looking at birds flying? And everybody will say, man, I just go to, my church is to go out into nature. It's like, well, yeah, that is church, to worship God and be in creation and to see that God cares for his creation. And Jesus is telling us to do that here. Look to the birds. Look at how God cares for them. He uses a couple of words, though, that are important, sow and reap. Those are productivity words. They're going to keep, they, they don't sow, they don't reap. They're not productive. They just go out and eat. They get three square meals a day, and they don't really even have to work at it. Interesting. So God is caring for his creation. And then he says something about who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life. Like worrying, uh, I love how my friend Bryce puts it. He says, worrying is like sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. And that's true. It, you can worry and worry and worry, and all you've done is rock, 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 and it didn't get you anywhere closer. He says, you can't add an hour to your life. And I love this little nugget here. It says, since you cannot do this very little thing, it is a very little thing in the eyes of Jesus to add an hour to your life. That's like brushing your teeth if you're Jesus, adding life. It's like in his mind, he is powerful to bring life and add life as he will raise Lazarus from the dead and what um, Kevin read for us uh, today in our communion meditation. It is nothing for Jesus to bring life and to raise it. Pretty incredible. It's just a little thing in his eyes. But in ours, it's impossible. Why worry? about the rest. And so he repeats it. It's the same sort of model. He does it again here in 27. Consider how the wild flowers grow. So now he's saying, let's look to creation. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. So then instead of sowing and reaping, we get the words labor and spin. And the word labor there is, a, is uh, it can be translated toil. It is exhaustion. It is um, just incredible work and laboring is what is the word there. It has a little more emphasis than I think we get. It says, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like the flowers. 
If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And so Jesus repeats himself. He's giving us instructions, I think, about how we, you know, he tells us not to worry, but then his model for us is to say to us, okay, you guys need to do two things. You need to look to creation and look at how God cares for creation and, and see how God meets the needs of all of his creation. And then he puts the emphasis on you. And you need to know the Bible narrative, and most all of you know how Genesis goes, right? God creates, this, uh, creates the first day, and, and he says at the end of the day, he says it's what? It's good, and the second day it's good, and third day it's good, and he's creating uh, the trees and the animals and, and the fields and the light and the water and the sea and the darkness and all of these things. God's separating and forming and filling and creating his creation. All five days roll through, at the end of the day he says what? It's good. What does he do? What does he say after he creates humankind? It's very good. He ups the ante of sorts. He says, this, this is very good. And all of it in cooperation with one another, this is very good. When he looks at you and me, he says, you are very good. I love you. And you know the Bible narrative tells the story of God's redeeming love. That at the message in the heart of what Christ is doing to save us, even though we are sinners, Christ dies for us. Christ lays out his, uh, his life for us. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that we would have everlasting life in him, that he wouldn't condemn the world, but he would save the world through his son Jesus. This is how God feels about you. And so he says to him, he says to us, don't worry, look to creation See how I've cared for creation, and now I want you to remember that when God looks at you, how much more valuable are you? If this is what he does for the birds, if this is what he does for the flowers, well, how does he feel about you? How is he going to care for you? And so it's this reminder that I think we all need and this encouragement that just teaches us that God cares deeply for us. But we have a hesitation with that, don't we? It couples with last week's message, right? This perfection piece. Who here feels good enough that God loves you? And so what all of the, the sort of peas of the false self, this sort of emptiness in us, teaches us that there is something missing that there's something wrong with us, that there's something undeserving for us. And so we don't hear Jesus' message. And so for us, we'll just say, well, I'll just keep being busy with the sowing and the reaping and the spinning and the laboring so that I will be enough and that I will have enough. And Jesus is saying you are enough, that you are loved enough by God that the worries that you've just been spinning and laboring and toiling over this worry that's just been kept perpetuating in your life. Friends, you're, you're loved through that. Do you hear me there? Does that make sense? You see how it's related and how, how it can be at work in our lives? And so Jesus is saying, look to creation. God loves the birds. He loves the trees. And by, by this, he loves you. He cares for you deeply. How much more valuable are you 
and the flowers and the trees and the birds. He looks at you and he says, you are very good and I care deeply for you. And so Jesus is helping us kind of whittle away at these things that we just keep doing. And it's like, so what are we striving for? What are we doing? And, and so uh, if you pick up then in verse 29, it says, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. In your translation, it might say seek, it might say focus, it might say strive for, where it says set your heart. If you have your Bible and you want to mark something, for me, this is an important connection. And do not set your heart, do not strive, underline that word, and then jump with me down to verse 31. But seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. In verse 31, the word seek is the same word that is there at set your heart. Jesus is saying we can do two things. We can continue to set our minds on the things of the earth and keep seeking and striving for what we will eat and what we will wear, and we can keep going down the productivity track. Or you can seek something else. Does that make sense? So you can keep worrying about life and you can keep striving and keep laboring and keep toiling and keep the productivity trail going and the treadmill and stay on it for the rest of your life or there is something different for you. You can strive for the world or you can strive for the king. You can seek the world or you can seek Christ. In 1940, something remarkable happened. What do you think it was? 1940. Let's think about the world right now. Military strife. There's conflict around the world. You're never going to get what happened, though. A word was created. And this word, it didn't appear in history ever until 1940. And you're going to be like, Jordan, you're making this up. Go ahead. Google it. I dare you. It's a challenge accepted, right, guys? And here's the word that was created. Priorities. And you'll say, now, Jordan, the word priority, that's existed for a long time, right? It's a, it has a Latin root. It's been around for a long time. The singular word, priority, has been around for a very, very long time. But in 1940, the plural was invented. And that's because up until 1940, the, there could only be one priority. It defeats the definition of the word to make it plural. To say that there is more than one priority defeats the definition of the word. And what I think Jesus is teaching us here is what is it that we make our priority? He contends with us and he says to us, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. You can't serve this master and that master. There can only be one that you serve. There can only be one priority that you take. And so I'd invite us to go hop into and, and go back in time and say, you know what? From this point forward in my life, I'm only going to have one priority. I'm not going to say I have to get my priorities in order. I have one priority and it's King Jesus. 
it's him. It's him who I seek. It's him who I strive for. It's his ways. It's his love. It's his kindness. It's his grace. And all of the laboring and all of the toiling and all of the balancing and all of the productivity and all of the worrying and all of those things wash away when I say Jesus is my priority. Eliminate the plural word from your vocabulary. Because one, it really doesn't make sense if you think about it. There can only be one central focus to your life, and Jesus is saying, strive, seek, first, prioritize, make the priority of your life the kingdom of God. Uh, I wrestled with writing this sermon. Um, It didn't come together until Saturday morning. And here's the reason why I wrestled with it. Because I wrestle with this. Uh, At present, I think about quite a few things. And I would say that I I have the word priorities in my vocabulary. I try to balance family. I try to balance income. I try to balance my life and I keep striving for and I keep running down the trail of productivity and I ask myself this question on a weekly and even daily basis, will I have enough? And I feel like maybe I don't have enough and so I think of side hustles. I have side hustles. Just ask me about them. They're delightful. You don't have to ask me about them. I just tell you. That's how it works. And I jokingly say that, but that's a problem. Because God's set the priority in front of me. The priority in front of me and seeking first the kingdom of God is to love you. To bless you, encourage you, pray with you, minister to you, be with you. Be with you in the good and the bad and the ugly and the hard and the sad and the brokenness. To be with you and love you. That is the priority of my life. And so I come to you as a friend to say, I have a worry problem. I worry about not having enough. And so I need Luke 12 and I need Matthew 6 and I need these reminders from Jesus to look at creation and be reminded just how much God cares for the birds and cares for the flowers and just how much he cares for me. That I have enough in him and his kingdom. This might surprise you, but it's important to know. There's no worrying in heaven. There's no questioning if there is enough in heaven. Like, we won't have to worry about worry in heaven. And Jesus teaches us that heaven is available to you today. It's not something on the far distant, off future that you don't have any part of at all right now. He says, you have life in his kingdom today. There's no worry in heaven, and there should be no worry in the church. Because we know that Christ is king, Christ is Lord. And so, I have an encouragement to you, for you. And this encouragement is that we want productivity so that we feel like we have enough. And I think the answer is, is I want productivity, but what we need is prayer. And Jesus gives us the prayer to pray. 
and most all of you should probably have it memorized. And it's the Lord's Prayer. And if you just want to simply pray the Lord's Prayer, that's great. Jesus told us how to do that. But I also like to use the Lord's Prayer as a launch pad, and I put those notes in, your, in the sermon notes of just using the model prayer of Jesus as a way of a launch pad to just express our gratitude and our lives to God and helps wash away those sort of worries and concerns of life. And so if you follow the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. If you just start with that and say, you know, glory to you, God, praise be to you, and you just spend a few minutes thanking God for who he is and his holiness, his kindness, his graciousness, express gratitude to God. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then you can plug in and just think about what's going on in your life right now that you, you are worried about. And you invite God's kingdom to break into the world. And you invite God's will to be accomplished. You invite God's will to be here on earth as it is in heaven. And as we invite heaven to earth, we invite worry to be washed away. God, be with my family as we're going through this trial. Be with us as we go to the hospital this week and we're facing these tests. God, be with my friends who are, who are going through so much right now. Express to God the concerns of your heart and the worries that you've been rocking, <laughs> you've been in the rocking chair of worry over. And bring them to God in this moment. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Give, give us this day our daily bread. And you just think about, God, thank you for your provision today. Thank you for this meal. You know, all the worrying that I've done, I haven't missed a single meal yet. Right? Gas prices went up. I've still been able to put gas in my car. Groceries went up. I'm still able to feed my family. Despite all the worrying and all the toiling and all the spinning and all the side hustle and all the productivity, God is still there steadily caring for and meeting the needs of my family. And prayer, I get to thank God for that. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. God, forgive me. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my lack of trust. Forgive me for my obstinacy. Forgive me for my pride and my ego. Forgive me. And help me impress upon my heart today to know who it is that I need to forgive and reconcile with. Lead us not into, te into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead me down the path of righteousness. Let me seek today your kingdom. Help me get the one priority right today. And I know you're with me. I know you care for me. Let your will be done here today, God. If you would pray that prayer, would you worry a little less? And I'd like to think about it more than just from an individual standpoint. I'd like to encourage you to think, what would God do with a church that prayed that prayer? What kind of brokenness would be healed? What kind of help would be offered? What kind of kingdom focus would break in? We live in a world where productivity is king and prayer is insulted. You see a tragedy happen and you will see uh, like a news feed and something get posted on a social media site, it'll say a tornado strikes this, uh, tornado strikes Gaylord, Michigan. And people will put thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers, we're praying for you, praying. And then there will be people who will mock 
that we say thoughts and prayers. And it'll be about the productivity. It'll be about the physical answer to the physical problems. And it'll get mocked. As Christians, we believe that the most important thing we can do is prayer. And here's why, I think. And this is where we'll land the plane. Did Jesus pray? Yeah, right? Obvious answer, yes. Did Jesus pray before the monumental moments of his life when the kingdom broke through? Friends, we can stay on the treadmill of productivity or we can follow the Jesus way. And the Jesus way is prioritizing your heart to the kingdom of God and seeking first the will of God the Father. Jesus had moments where he truly wrestled with what was next. Blood, blood from his pores, pouring his heart out to God because he was seeking first the kingdom of God. We seek first the kingdom of God. The way we do that begins with prayer. And it begins with praying the way Jesus teaches us to pray. If we want breakthroughs of the kingdom of God, it begins with prayer. If we want comfort in our worry, it begins with prayer. If we want guidance in our life, it begins with prayer. If we want comfort for the broken and the hurting, it begins with prayer. It begins with God accomplishing his will here on earth as it is in heaven. We can keep laboring, we can keep toiling, we can keep spinning, we can keep sowing, we can keep reaping. And we can stay on the path of worry and strife and struggle and anxiety. Or we can start our day and live our life in prayer. Heaven has no worries. Let's pray for heaven to be here. Let's pray for that now. God, we love you so much. And we thank you for today. And we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our King, our Redeemer, our our true and righteous king. We pray, God, today that we would give our hearts to you. And the things that we so often worry about and the things that we struggle with, Lord, we have been operating with thinking that we can have multiple priorities at once. So we repent today. And we turn to you in prayer and we ask God that you would help us as we repent to make the kingdom of God the priority of our life. Your word promises to care for us. And so we surrender. We surrender all of the toil, all of the labor and all the spinning and all the things that we do to keep ourselves busy and feel like we have enough. And God, remind us today that we have enough in you and the loving care of your arms and your heart that your kingdom is breaking into the world and we can have life in you today we turn our hearts to you now Lord it's in Jesus name Amen